all over North Carolina. They're talking about all the ice we're going to get and so forth. And, and we spent all day calling in diesel fuel and getting all our generators all fueled up for all the data centers and arranging that for all over the place. So, uh, so I didn't realize we were even getting all that. It snows all the time in Colorado. You just move to Colorado, guess what? You won't worry about it a bit. It's there every day. It's just part of it. Uh, so anyway, good to see you tonight. Uh, I guess we don't have a booklet tonight. Uh, so turn to Romans chapter 7. You'll just have to follow along. How about that? Uh, I guess you've got to be practiced up at that here recently. But Romans chapter 7. And so tonight, here's what I want to teach on, preach on a little bit. Is simply a message. I just called it this. I, call it, I stole it from a song, actually. It's the title of a song, but it's called Caught in the Middle. Caught in the Middle. And uh, Romans chapter 7 is where we'll be as we get to talking about it. As a, uh, I don't know how many of you keep up with Facebook or on Facebook or whatever, but one of the things I got to do while I was in uh, Colorado was spend some time riding snow machines. Now, you've got to be real careful. It's not a snowmobile. That is the first way to know that you're a tourist if you show up out there. You don't call it a snowmobile. It is a snow machine. And uh, and had, uh, we went skiing and got to ride some snow machines. And the last time I went, I, I rented a high-performance one because the other one was just too slow. And, uh, and got on this thing, and this baby would smoke. I'm talking about 76 miles an hour. Look, Mom, one hand filming with a, with a camera. And uh, so uh, I had a blast on that thing. Uh, but I tell you what. It was snowing hard that last day. The the trails they, they kind of split off into different directions, and and, and you know, it was easy. My 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 goggles were fogging up. Visibility at times was like kind of down to zero, and real easy to get disoriented. Uh, I didn't have a guide that last time, and it didn't take long until I kind of got turned around. I kind of got a little bit lost in where I was, and after going that fast through all those miles and. And I kind of got all wonky. That was, a, that was a word I saw all over Colorado. They had them signs all the way. I, wonky. I don't even know what it means, but I, I got that way. And uh, it was all catawonkus. And But, you know, I got to thinking about that when I was disoriented, trying to figure out, do I go left or right at this pass? At some point, i got to get the machine back, or they're going to charge me for another day. And uh, And I thought about spiritually. You know, we come to crossroads spiritually a lot like that, don't we? Where we kind of get disoriented, maybe a little bit, where we get uh, maybe directionally challenged. We've all had seasons like that in our Christian walk. And what began really, if you think about when you got saved, what a sweet relationship we had with Christ. And then as time goes on, guess what happens? We, we sometimes, life gets busy, doesn't it? Life gets in the way and we start to feel discouraged and so forth. And, and uh, what began as joy and, and the pure fire of, you know, wanting to charge hell with a water pistol doesn't take long until you know next time we turn around we're we're kind of you know full of apathy maybe a little disappointment do you know christians will disappoint you people will disappoint you pastors will disappoint you you're the only, the only one who wants jesus praise the lord for that and, uh, and so so think about it we receive salvation here on earth and our eternal destiny settled but yet we got to live here and we still got to live in this old sin-cursed mud ball. And, and while we're here on this sin-cursed mud ball, even though we received a brand new nature in Christ, we still got a battle going on on a daily basis. We got that old flesh, don't we? And we got that new nature. Now, I like to tell you the old nature's dead. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We, we sometimes give the old nature a little too much credit. But, but I want to tell you what, that new nature and that what the Bible calls as the flesh seem like they're always fighting over control of our lives. And, and that fight leads us to sometimes just get caught up in the middle. I want to read you some lyrics to, some, to a song that uh, some of you probably know. I think Casting Crowns, I think it's theirs originally, but anyway, they're the ones I heard sing it anyway. And uh, just listen to this. This is where we live. Thank God we're saved, sealed, on our way to heaven. Somebody say amen on that. But the daily living of our Christian walk, sometimes this is where we live. Somewhere between the hot and the cold. Somewhere between the new and the old. Somewhere between who I am and who I used to be. Somewhere in the middle, you'll find me. Somewhere between the wrong and the right. Somewhere between the darkness and the light. Somewhere between who I was and who you're making me. Somewhere in the middle, you'll find me. How many of you say, that's, that's, what are they doing? Writing my life here, right? It goes on. This one says, 
Just how close can I get, Lord, to my surrender without losing all control? What a statement. Think about that for a moment. How many of us say, well, I want to surrender all? We sing the song, I want to surrender all. We want to surrender all as long as we can still control some stuff, right? And it's so true where we live here, this song is. It goes on to say, fearless warriors in a picket fence, reckless abandon, wrapped in common sense. Isn't that us? We'll, we'll charge hell for you, Lord, but keep our little nice fencer up, right? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do anything. Reckless abandon, we'll live for you. Oh, no, let's make sure it's just we're doing everything common sense-wise, right? Not, not stepping on faith. Deep water faith in the shallow end. We're caught in the middle. With eyes wide open to the differences, the God we want and the God who is. But we will trade our dreams for his. But will we trade our dreams for his? Or will we be caught in the middle? Are we caught in the middle? Somewhere between my heart and my hands, somewhere between my faith and my plans, somewhere between the safety of the boat and the crashing waves, somewhere between a whisper and a roar, somewhere between the altar and the door, somewhere between contented peace and always wanting more, somewhere in the middle, you'll find me. Caught in the middle. How many of you would say, boy, I, I believe that song was <laughs> kind of an autobiography of my life, right? Of our Christian existence, our walk, and our, our life. The struggle's real if we get real honest. Now, I'll tell you, there's some groups out there that'll teach you that, that listen, if you struggle with sin or you struggle with the flesh, you struggle with not, you know, be completely sold out for God and, and you struggle with that, the old ways and so forth, you're not truly saved. In fact, I'll. I had a local preacher tell me he hadn't sinned in six years. And I said, give me six minutes, I'll get you sinning. I promise you, you just hang out with me. And, uh, and it, it, because they believe that you can reach sinless perfection. And I'll tell you, I asked him this question, and I just said, have you ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Of course, he said, yes. I said, do you think he ever made it there? Oh, yeah, I'm sure he did. I said, well, have you ever read Romans chapter 7? Because if you read Romans chapter 7, you're going to find out the great Apostle Paul had the exact same struggles that you and I have. In fact, that song pretty much to me is Romans chapter 7. It's where we live, caught in the middle. And so tonight what I want to do is I just want to study through this just a little bit. Because the truth is if the Apostle Paul struggled with the flesh and with the new nature then I think we're probably going to struggle with the flesh and the new nature. We're going to probably be caught in the middle, and many times that's exactly, certainly where I live. Caught between where I want to be and caught between who I really am. Caught between what I want to do, caught between what I usually end up doing. Can I get a witness, right? That's where the Apostle Paul is, and that's where we're going to read about in our text. So tonight what I want to do, I want to read these verses, and then I want to talk about where he was, because that's where we live. And then I want to give you some victory on, on uh, how, how to get out of it. What, what, what's the answer to, to not being living our entire life caught in the middle? Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Let's just pick up there reading tonight. The Bible says this, For, for that which I would do... Yeah, yeah, go have to, you're going to struggle hearing me read this, all right? I'm just going to be honest. This is a tongue twister. And I practice this on the way here. And it didn't help a bit. So anyway, <laughs> so we'll, but we'll practice a little. We'll read it together. He says this, for, for that which I do, I allow not. For that which, for that, for what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do, or that do I. Does that resonate with anybody yet? <laughs> if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then... It is no more that I, or I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. I want to do what's right, he's saying. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. That's an amen there. We just had an altar call right now, right? Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. 
But I see another law of my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Again, how many would say, boy, that could be an autobiography of my life my Christian life after I've been saved. That's certainly, I think, mine there. And the truth is we all struggle many times being caught, what I'm simply calling tonight, caught in the middle. As the old saying goes, the struggle is real. And so tonight, well, I want to see if you're going to take any notes. I wrote this. This The first thought I had was simply let's, let's understand the struggle, first of all. Let's understand the struggle. Look with verse 23 with me as we look down there. Paul's writing, he says, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity into the law of sin, which is in my members. And while being saved is certainly... Uh, the most awesome things ever going to happen to us here on earth, amen. And I uh, thank God for that. And and being a Christian is the most, uh, you know, is the most wonderful place to be. But it's also this: it's one of the most impossible things we've ever attempted. I gave you a quote there. Kerry Smith said this. That, well, I, y'all didn't get a quote, did you? You don't have a book. There you go. I'm going to read it to you then. Uh, the quote there: Kerry Smith said, "The the Christian life is a relationship with your Creator that will lead you to some t- tough places." I may agree with that. It's not a bed of roses, is it? It will lead you into a fiery furnace to meet a faithful friend. It will lead you into a raging storm to discover a sovereign Savior. It will lead you into a whale's belly to find amazing grace. It will lead you to a bloody cross to meet a suffering God. It will lead you to a deathly tomb to discover the resurrection of a new life. Ever, ever, ever notice the Christian life is really a life full of paradoxes? Everything about it. You think about how, how joyful it is at times and how discouraging it is at times, if we get honest, right? We think about how, how blissful it is at times and how burdensome, burdensome it is at times. We think about, think about all the, the things about this, you, the Christian life. It's a relationship where to live, you've got to die. It's a relationship where losing yourself is finding it's a relationship where surrendering is actually how you win it's a paradox you think about it. it's a relationship where uh praise the lord where failure is never final how many of you are thankful for that and i'm thankful that he's a god that continues to restore and so if you struggle as a christian and you're having a hard time living the christian life here's what i want want you to know today guess what you're in good company because every single Christian that's ever lived has struggled with the same thing. Even those guys that pretend to have it all together. And so, so here we are. We longing for what's promised. We, we, we know all the promises of God. We know we got a, well, we got a Savior. We know about His grace and His goodness and His mercy and, and promise that, listen, one day we're going to get out of this old sin-cursed mud ball. We're going to spend an eternity in heaven with Lord Jesus Christ. But guess what? We're still here. And while we're here, guess what? We wrestle. We wait, we, 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 we endure, we have to do all these things, and we find ourselves here in this spot where he is, this, where, where we're just stuck in the middle. And our struggles are a reminder, really, of one thing, how much we need him. So think about that as we think about it, talking about the struggle and understanding what the struggle is. And, and, um, but next I want to just kind of look at how Paul explains the struggle. Look what he says in verse number 15 with me. He says this, For that which I do allow, not. For what I would, that do I not. (laughs) But what I hate, that do I. I don't know why I have to read this three times. I should just let y'all read the verses, and then we'll just pick up in verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is that it is good. Now then it is no more... I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And so he's painting a picture here. Look down verse 22 one more time. He's explaining the, the inward man. He's explaining here that there's a, there, there, there's, a, there's a new man that he's got. He said, for I delight in the law of God, in verse 22, after the inward man. So he's wanting to do everything that's right, right? That's his desire as a Christian. That's his desire as a born-again believer to do everything that's right, living with the Spirit of God in him. But 
that, but he's got this fight going on. And so he starts to explain the struggle. And part of that struggle is the new man, is the inward man, as the Bible calls it here. Paul called it this over in Ephesians chapter 3, and verse 16. Sorry you don't have your booklet tonight, but let me read you some other words the way Paul wrote it elsewhere. He said, he said in Ephesians 3.16, he said that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So he's talking about the inner man. He's talking about the inward man. You see how the two time the, the two kind of go together. Over in Ephesians 4 and verse 24, he wrote it this way. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and in holiness. In Colossians 3.10, he wrote it this way. He said, and, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So think about all the phrases, all the terms that the Bible uses uh, to describe this new nature that's in us when we get born again by the grace of God. This new nature that's in us, he calls it the inward man, the inner man, the hidden man of the heart, the new man, the, the new creature, the new creation, his workmanship, and Christ in me, he says at one point, the seal of the Spirit. All these things are, are, are terms that the Bible describes, that new nature that happens the day you trust Christ, you, you repent and you believe the gospel that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again, and put your full trust in him. That new nature comes in, and, and he comes in, and that's part of the fight that Paul's talking about. He said, I got this new nature in me. And, and, uh, and that's that part of you, by the way, that when you read God's Word comes alive. How many of you know sometimes I get in God's Word, boy, I'm just something, something in me gets excited. And there's part of you that doesn't, right? How many of you fall asleep sometimes reading God's Word? That flesh don't like it much, does it? But there's something inside of you that starts to, to feel up when you get in there. How about, how about when you get a little session of prayer and and the old flesh just kind of wants to doze off, but there's something inside of you saying, boy, I'm, I'm enjoying this fellowship and communion with God. How about when you turn on some music and hear a good old gospel song and, and some truths being proclaimed, and next thing you know, you're just getting riled up. What is it? That's that new man in there that likes all that, and that's the, the ones that, uh, that, that that's happened here, the new man, the, the new creature, his workmanship, the inner man, the inner, the hidden man of the heart, all these different terms the Bible uses for this, this new nature. That's the Spirit of God in you. That's the new you. How many of you like the new you? I like the new me a whole lot. <laughs> I don't like the old one a whole lot. And so, so, so God takes his Spirit, infuses you with a new nature, and that new nature wants to do what's right. So every time we're reading through here, and Paul's talking about this struggle he's having within himself, it's, it's the new nature that wants to do right, but there's another problem. See, the new nature wants to obey him, the inward man. But there's another problem. There's the outward man the Bible describes here. And Read with me in verse 18 what he calls that. It's got a term that the Bible uses throughout. We'll see some of these terms that the Bible calls it. Be real careful here. We'll talk about this more in a minute, but... I don't like to call it the old nature. Your old nature died. We'll talk more about that. All right. The old nature is dead. Somebody say that with me. My old nature is dead. We give way too much flesh to the old nature. Now, we still got a flesh. Uh, and we'll talk about what that is here in a moment. But, uh, but this, old nature, this old man, I guess, and, and as he calls it here, the flesh. Look at verse 18. He says, for I know that in me, that is in my, what's the next word? flesh dwelleth no good thing for the will is present with me how to perform that which is good i find not for the good that i would i do not but the evil which i would not that i do now if i do that which i would not it is no more i that do it but sin that dwelleth in me and uh, and so it goes on to say this in verse 21 i find the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. And so think about some terms here he uses. See, he talks about that old man now. Or, or, and I hate to use that, uh, that phrasing, but uh, for lack of a better word, the outward man, I guess, is the, the old me maybe is the best way to say it. And so he uses terms to talk about us as we commit sin after salvation. And he, that plagues us. The terms he'll use is the flesh. He'll use terms like the works of the flesh. How many of you remember reading that in your Bible? He'll use terms like the outward man. We just read about that. The lusts of the flesh, the sin that's in me, the, the, the former lusts, and uh, sin reigning in our mortal body, the, the deeds of the flesh. He says that in some places in Scripture. The evil that's present with me. Or he also calls it the law of sin. Now, again, 
I want you to be careful. This is not your sin nature. Your sin nature was crucified the day you got saved, and it was replaced with a new nature. You can't have really two natures, if you think about it. But it is your flesh. And here's the deal. The flesh is programmed with sinful behavior. How long have you lived in your flesh? Somebody tell me what age you were when you got saved. Anybody know? 28. So 28 years you lived in your flesh. And 28 years that was programmed with that sinful nature that you were born with. And uh, I was a little longer than that. I was 30 years old. And so you think about it, it's, it's been programmed that way. Think of it this way. Your sin nature's dead, maybe the best way to think about it, but your flesh doesn't seem to know it yet. How many of you have seen a chicken? How many of you grew up on a farm? Saw a chicken get his head cut off. Anybody seen that? <laughs> Guess what happens after he gets his head cut off? He keeps on running around, doesn't he? His head's cut off. He's dead. Guess what? His flesh just don't know it yet. And so we live many times, and this new nature God's given us, we, we live the very same way. That our, that's the way the power of sin is in our flesh. Our, our sin nature died, but our flesh doesn't know it yet. And so our flesh is still grasping for control to hold us hostage to those old habits, those old thought patterns, those old behaviors. And, and maybe to put it in computer terms, it's, it's like your, your old programming or You've been, you've been programmed a certain way. You've had a certain software program that's been running since you were born and so forth. Now that you're saved, you've got, you got a brand new nature, the perfect mind of Christ. And, and it's begun to write some new programming, some new software uh, in, 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 into your, the hard drive of your mind. But guess what? We have to be reprogrammed. And we've got to unlearn. How many of you got to unlearn some things? Uh, we've got to learn some things, sure. But we got to unlearn some things too, and we got to relearn then the new ways of Christ. And the Bible calls that over and over throughout the Word of God, being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Why do we have to be? Why is it all starting our mind? Why we got to relearn, be reprogrammed in our mind? Because our mind is in control of our bodies, right? And our bodies, that flesh, is the one that wants to control everything else. And that flesh is no good. That flesh needs to be put off, and it needs to be reprogrammed with that new nature that we have. And so, so being renewed in the spirit of our mind is the idea. So here's the two, the, the two things we're seeing. The battle here is really between the, the inward man, the new me. That's a brand new and created in Christ Jesus. Amen. Uh, the Holy Spirit living in us and, and so forth. And then that outward man, that's our flesh, the old me. And that battle's going on. That's the battle Paul's describing. That is why we live in the middle. We sit there in that war in the middle all the time. And so here's the question. Who's going to win the war? We all struggle there, right? Who's going to win the war? We'll get to the practical here in a minute. Who's going to win it? Well, it's easy to say, hey, we're going to win it when we get to heaven. Amen. We're going to put off this old flesh. We're going to get the glorified flesh. We're going to, corruption's going to put on in corruption. Yes, that's absolutely right. That's going to happen when he returns in the clouds. But I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about here on this earth. Who is going to win the war? Where's the war? The war's right there in the middle. And who wins? Look at verse 23 with me. Paul's going to kind of start to give us a, uh, some answers here because he tells us in verse 23 he said but I see another law in my member notice is the war here's the war warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity the law of sin which is in my members members another word for flesh and so he's saying listen man here's the battle here's the war in the middle and he's saying I, I see I know what I want to do and I delight in the law of God after the inward man verse 22 but there's another law of my members and it's warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin and the battle is real he's saying the struggle is real and he goes in verse 24 he says oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death and then praise God he gives us the answer here it is verse 25 I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So what is the battle always over? It is always over our what? Our mind, right? That's where we're going to get the victory. And so let me give you a couple spots to write down. Again, sorry, I don't have a booklet. But Second uh, Corinthians 4, and verse 16, uh, here's how Paul put it there. He said, for which cause we faint not, 
But through our out, though our outward man perish, he said, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. He said this in Galatians 5, verse 16, and this is where we're going to get to the heart of the matter is. He says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. What's the Spirit? That's the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's the new man, right? He said, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the, what's the polar opposite of it? Flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So those verses describe the same battle that Paul's describing here. He's describing the war that's raging between our flesh and between the Spirit of God. And the battlefield is for our minds, because if you win the mind, you control the flesh. And if you control the flesh, you control the activities, the behaviors, the thought patterns, everything about us. And so, so which one's going to win? That's the ultimate question. And here's the answer. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. You're going to have to flip to that one. I want you to see it. Romans chapter 6. Just back one verse and, or one chapter. Look at verse 16. We won't go through the whole chapter because I like to do that and I know I'll get lost if I do that. So. <laughs> I won't give you the whole no reckon and yield, but we're going to look at here's the answer on how to win this battle. Here's the answer how not to stay in the middle. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, he says this. Read it with me. He says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants uh, ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. And so what's Paul saying? Here's, here's what he's saying. Here's how you're going to determine who wins. You determine who wins by which one you yield to. The flesh and the flesh's desires or the spirit, the new man, the new man, the inner man, or the outer man. And however you want to rephrase those terminologies, whoever you yield to is how, how you determine who's going to win. Simply that. Every moment of our lives, we have a choice to make. Every time we come to a crossroads or got a decision to make and we know there's our flesh is desiring something and the Spirit of God's in us saying no. Or maybe the Spirit of God's saying yes, do this, and our flesh is saying no, I don't want to. Whatever it is, every time, and we, this is not a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So many Christians think, I said yes to God once, that's all I should do. No. Every moment by moment, we got to make a decision to say yes to the Holy Spirit of God and no to the flesh. Because the flesh will lead us down. That's, how we're, that's the ultimate choice, way we get victory uh, over all this battle that's on. And so it's in every moment. Yes to the flesh, and you're going to end up going down the wrong road. Yes to God's Spirit, and you end up going the right road. And so whoever we yield to, wins at that moment so i gave you a truth you can't read it because you don't have a book amen but <laughs> let me give it to you you need to write this down i spent a lot of time on this one so this will help you <laughs> and i'm just kidding the best version of you is the one that is like christ and that's the one that's under the control of the spirit of god the worst version of you is the one who's under the control of the flesh. How many of you agree with that statement? The best version of you is the one that is like Christ, who's under the control of the Spirit of God. The worst version is the one who's under the control of the flesh. How do we determine which one controls us? It's not by me pulling up and trying harder. We'll talk about that in a minute. It's by which one we yield to. So here's the question. If we're caught in the middle of this war, of this battle between our flesh and between the old nature, if you want to look at it that way, I don't like to use that word, but between that flesh and the, the, the way the flesh has been trained by the way we grew up uh, to sin and so forth, and the new nature, the one created into righteousness by the Spirit of God, then how do we respond when we're caught in the middle? And uh, what are the right ways and wrong ways to respond? So, so. I want to talk about now responding to the struggle. So how do we respond? Responding to it. See, here's the key. How we respond really has to do with answering a question. And that question is this. What is enough? What is enough? The truth is, to think about it, could you ever do enough good for the Lord Jesus Christ? We, could we never could? Could we? What's enough? Could we behave good enough? Could we live good enough? Could we, uh, you know... 
do anything to to justify everything he's done for us and we we never could we we could never be good enough we could never live good enough we could never achieve enough for his unmerited grace and all that that he's given us so what could you and i as imperfect fallible people ever possibly offer a perfect infallible god and the answer is nothing we can never worship him enough we can never love him enough you think about it you get i mean we're never gonna get to the point where god looks at us and says okay that's enough <laughs> that's enough you know thank you you've arrived you've loved me enough you've worshiped me enough god's never going to say that right truth is we'll never arrive in this flesh right but so often our realization of who we are and where we are uh when we get to that point it, it is the i'm trying to figure out how i said this here uh let me, let me just read what I wrote. The truth is we will never arrive while we are in this flesh. But so often our realization of who we are and where we are versus who we should be and who we can be will overwhelm us. You ever get overwhelmed with that? You ever think about, boy, I'm saved and God's done all this for me, yet I'm just like Paul and I struggle. The things I should do and I want to do and I want to do right, I do the opposite. The things I don't want to do, and I know is wrong, so many times I end up doing them. And I just struggle and so forth. And when we get to that place, here's, here's kind of where we get in our Christian walk. And here's why I want to get you some, some help here on how to. We understand the struggle now. Here, it's going to lead you to respond in one or two ways. Number one, here's where we make our biggest mistakes. It's going to, it's going to blow your logic. Our biggest mistakes when we say, I'm going to try harder. Are you with me? My biggest mistakes when I say, I'm going to try harder. That's usually our first response. I just need to, I need to try harder. And truth is, the only way you could ever conclude that you can ever do or be enough for the Lord by trying harder would be you would have to reduce your scale of, uh, of expectation of what, the, what it would take if you think about it. Our, our self-effort will never be enough to justify his wonderful holiness and so forth. In order to arrive, we, have to under, we would have to underestimate how depraved we really are. For us to feel like we could do enough and try harder enough to suddenly please the Lord in some way, uh, is, would have to you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, as I say all the time, or, or make it happen, Captain, or all those things we say, turn over a new leaf and suddenly have this new standard of living that, boy, now God is pleased with me. Uh, the idea that we could ever do that when you compare yourself to a holy and just God is silly if you think about it. But so many people live their lives like that. That's religion. That's what I just described to you. That's religion. It's me turning over a new leaf, me doing this, me trying harder. And, and, uh, and here's why people usually do go about that. Instead of measuring themselves against God and His holiness and, and, and the Word of God and so forth, they'll start measuring themselves against you know, the person beside you in the pew. Right? You know, they don't look to the one sitting beside you in the pew right now. We'll get you in trouble. But they'll, they'll start measuring themselves to others. Well, you know, compared to so-and-so, I'm, yeah, I got it together. I'm going to try harder. I'm doing better than they are. God, you must be pleased with me. God, you must love me. You must be smiling down at me because of all my righteousness. But here's the problem. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. That's still in there. No matter how perceived, how much amount of perceived self-righteousness we think we've obtained, the fact is we'll never be righteous in our own. See, trying harder only works if you set the standard and succeed at your own standard. Here's the problem. We don't set the standard. God sets the standard. And every single time, you and I will fall short. Trying harder is not the answer. So many times we think it is. I got to try harder. I got to do. I got. I got to do better. No, it's not the answer. Because His standard is always absolute perfection. Now, how many of you will make that? I'm certainly not. My Bible still says, "For all have sinned and come short." of my personal standard no of the what of the glory of god and so that's why so many christians listen to me this is important 
get frustrated and discouraged in their Christian walks because they're trying to walk the Christian walk in their own effort, in their own strength, and they're trying to you know, put their self together and let me try harder, let me turn over a new leaf, all that and so forth. And listen to me carefully. No matter how hard you try in your own effort, your own strength, you'll be a billion miles every single time away from perfection. Simply trying harder, listen to me, it will result in failing harder every time. That was the truth you didn't get, but that was what I wrote. Trying harder will result in failing harder. How many of you have lived that? Uh, we've been there, right? Because it's not about self-effort. and We've got to understand that. The scale of goodness that God expects, listen, uh, and deserves, to be honest, is so massive none of us could ever achieve it. So. No matter how good we are, no matter how holy we try to live, no matter how perfect we try to behave, how much energy or effort we put into it, uh, that we exert in it, listen, self-effort, everything, every single time will lead you to do one thing, and that's fail and that is collapse. But here's the key. When we realize it's not about self-effort, but it's about us resting in Jesus, when we realize it's about Him living through us, it's about us yielding to Him, then instead of collapsing we can cast all our care upon him for he cared for us see god wants us to get to the place where we realize self-effort will never be enough he wants us to get to the place where we realize instead of self-effort it's got about the savior it's about he's enough and cast our cares upon him and and rely on him and so so here's the two responses number one it's going to be all the time self-effort let me try harder that's where most of us go right we're struggling with something, and, and, and we, don't, we know we shouldn't be doing it because we're, we're born again, the Spirit of God's living in us, and, and we know what's right, and, and, but boy, our flesh wants to do what's wrong, and we're war in this battle, and, and we decide, boy, it's time I'm going to win this battle, so I'm going to dig in, and I'm going to try harder, and guess what's going to happen? You mark it down every single time you're going to fail harder. It's going to end up that way. If self-effort's what it took, then we wouldn't need the Spirit of God. Right? Uh, so, is it try harder? Is that the answer? No. How about it this? Remember what Romans 6 told us? Which one you yield to? Yield to is not self-effort. Yield to is allowing Him to do it. Allowing Savior effort to do it through you. So yield and rest in Jesus. And So when we realize this, that's where we got to get to. we got to realize Jesus is enough. See, as Baptists, we realize Jesus is enough for salvation, Right? Well, we claim that we we claim that to the to the hills, but we don't ever realize he's also enough for sanctification. He'll help us. He'll help us. He'll help us live daily the Christian walk, not just save us and then leave us on our own. That's the way we treat it so many times. He'll help us on a daily basis. He'll help us learn to yield, and when we cast ourselves on him in complete total dependence, we're getting to the place. The truth I gave you that you don't have, but here, here's what I wrote down. The realization that Jesus is enough is the starting point, this is important, of real growth in Jesus. How many people do you know have keep lists and rules and all this stuff to make themselves, boy, boy, I do this, I don't listen to this, I do this, I do this, I don't do this, I got all these rules, look at me, I am Mr. Righteous, all right? That's self-effort. And if that's the way you're going to live your Christian life, let me tell you, you're going to fail. But what if, instead of that, I came to the realization that when I realized that it's not about me, it's about Jesus and yielding to the Spirit of God, that's when I really start to grow. That's why so many Christians are stuck. Uh, they're stuck on this idea of self-effort, really never grow. They make it more about rules and trying harder instead of about resting in Jesus. How about Peter? You ever thought about this? He didn't really become useful until he got to the end of himself. Think about that. He, he, he was, he was, a, he was a guy who put his foot in his mouth, and we, we know all the stories on Peter, but, but I just think it was when he got to the place of absolute brokenness that his real usefulness started. The way I wrote it here is my truth was this. The end of self is the beginning of the real Christian life. The end of self is the end or the beginning of the real Christian life. 
If you're living your Christian life in your own power, by your own, by your own pulling yourself up, by everything you think you can do, by, by, by trying harder, then I'm going to tell you what, you haven't even started living a Christian life yet. Because the answer always is simply this, is, is not try harder. It's actually yield more to Jesus. Listen to how Jesus put it. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said this, Come unto me, all that ye labor. Or Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all, that, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And what did he say next? And I will give you rest. Did he say, come unto me if you're burdened and heavy laden, then try harder and work your tail off and, and you'll earn some rest? Did he say that? No. He said, come unto me. You, you, here's your job. You come. You come. You yield. I'll give you rest, he said. <clears throat> In fact, he said this, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in hearts, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the word of God tells us, listen, here's the answer. It's not about us trying harder. It's about us actually learning to rest in Jesus and yield to Jesus. And that's how we start to start to win this battle between the new man uh, that was created in Christ Jesus and that old flesh that's still around that wants to drag us back that needs to be reprogrammed as we get renewed in the spirit of our mind and so forth and so the struggle it's real so let me ask you this just to kind of conclude tonight is there any benefits to the struggle why does God allow us to go through the struggle this was my question when I meditate on stuff I, I, I ask myself the hard questions I guess so why we go through all this, God? You saved us, right? You could have made us perfect, right? He's God. How many of you agree? He could do that, right? He can do anything he wants to do, amen, other than contradict his word. <laughs> he could have saved us, and, man, we could have been sanctified right from the get-go, and we could have lived a perfect, sinless life, never messed up again, and never had this struggle of the inward man and, and that old flesh, and never had to go through all this. Is there any benefits to going through these struggles? Why would God allow us to go through all that? And so I wrote down I just a couple thoughts I had about the benefit sometimes of going through some struggles, uh, this fight and this battle that, that we are victorious over when we simply yield. It's nothing we did other than say yes to God and no to the flesh. But but here here's 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 some benefits. I just wrote down a couple thoughts. First one I wrote down was this: the struggle highlights God's grace. Our struggles highlights God's grace. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, how would we ever magnify God's grace if everything was always perfect? Right. The grace of God gets magnified during the tough times during the struggles uh, otherwise listen i look at it this way if you went through life and every day you are perfectly the same amount of happy and every woo, 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 i lived here guess what that would be normal you'd never be happy don't you think about that for just a minute i'd never really be happy right that would be my normal that would be my mid-range uh, how many of you thank god for that you have those days where you get those joyous days. How many of you are thankful for that? You want to know why you know you have those days? Because you have the days where it's not so joyous. If every day was like that, you'd never enjoy the joyous days. Are, are you, anybody get my logic here? So, so the same idea, when you think about it, if you apply it to highlighting God's grace in our life, it'll never get highlighted if we don't go through some struggles. We'll never realize how great he is to bring us right through that struggle. Amen. And how about Romans 8, verse 28? You say you want some Bible for it? And we know that all things work together for good, right? To them that love God, to them who are called uh, according to the purpose, or called according to his purpose, sorry. And so the struggle, it really highlights God's grace. I wrote this down. Here's what the struggle also teaches me. It teaches me to walk in the Spirit. Y'all remember Galatians 5.16 tells us, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and thou shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right? Shall not. Not going to happen. So if I learn to walk in the Spirit, I can all the time have victory over that old flesh. This battle won't be a problem. Problem is, we don't always walk in the Spirit, do we? 
Problem is, we don't always yield to the Spirit and, and be filled with the Spirit. So the struggle, here's what it teaches me. It teaches me the, how to walk in the Spirit. And can, how many of you enjoy when you're walking in Spirit? You all know what I'm talking about. Boy, I'm telling you what, God says to do something, leads you to do something, you do it. And boy, there's no better feeling in the world than knowing I obeyed God just now. And God, God was with me, and I, boy, and I, and I followed Him, and, and I said yes to the Spirit. And boy, I got victory over that thing my flesh wanted me to do. And, and don't get too high on it, because guess what? That flesh don't go away. It's going to come back and come after you one more time. But boy, doesn't it feel good when you just said yes, yes, once out of the last fifty times I got victory, right? And, and it's kind of where we live so many times. And and that struggle teaches me that. It, to walk in the spirit and how i can have victory that that truth is always there if i'm walking in the spirit i shall not not going to happen fulfill the lust of the flesh so that vice versa teaches me that listen when i'm struggling when i'm when i'm in sin and i'm struggling with that sin and it's controlling me my flesh is winning guess what i'm not walking in the spirit so it teaches me to walk in the spirit uh how about this next one i wrote this down the struggle keeps me growing the struggle keeps me growing second peter three eighteen said but grow in grace and knowledge of our lord jesus of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Keeps me growing. I want to tell you what. When I get to struggling, I don't know what your answer is. My answer is I get in that book. And I try to find out where I've gotten off. And I get in that book, and guess what? I learn more. And it teaches me listen, I, I need to grow more in grace and knowledge. And, and, uh, and that struggle keeps me rooted in the book, looking for the answer, and helps me to grow. And guess what? The more I know about the Lord, not just head knowledge, but the more I know Him personally in a relationship, listen, that helps me grow. The struggle also reveals the value of God's work in me. The value of God's work in me. Galatians 6 9 says, And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. He's saying, Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, keep doing right, keep doing right. And God's doing a work in us, and He's going. He's going to. He's going to be. Uh, we're going to be victorious. I wrote this down too. The struggle keeps me hoping for heaven. Keeps me hoping for heaven. How many of you are glad? Listen, this is as close to hell as we get if you're saved. <laughs> Isn't that good news? <laughs> I mean, listen. No matter what else can. I don't know what else can throw it. Throw, uh, be thrown at at us in 2020. Well, I guess we're in 2021 now, but. I'm going to tell you what, I don't know what your year is like, but I know what mine was like. I don't know what else could get thrown at you, but I can tell you this, it just makes heaven even sweeter. It's coming, amen. I like how Paul put it, Colossians 3, verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. So listen, that struggle keeps us. You think about, is there a benefit to struggle? Here it is. Listen, it keeps us looking to the glory of heaven, looking for that day we get off this old sin-cursed mud ball and, all these problems are gone, and no more sorrow, no more tears, and and I don't know about you, no more sickness. How many of you looking for those days? I certainly am. And so, uh, how about this? The struggle also keeps me authentic. You say, what do you mean by authentic? How many of you hate fake people? You know, some of the biggest fake people I know. I shouldn't say this. We're on live stream. Are the ones that call themselves Christians? That's a hard statement. I know. That's a true statement. How many of you agree with that? Uh, I, I don't really care if you do or not because I'm telling the truth. <laughs> uh, but, but listen, the struggle keeps me authentic. It reminds me I ain't all that in a bag of chips. How about you? It reminds me I got a whole lot of growing to do. I got a whole lot of room to get better and become more like Christ. And it keeps me authentic. And, and not just authentic, but it keeps me authentic in my Christian relationships. So many times we like to put on an air we're better than somebody else or whatever. But, you know, Paul said this, Romans 14, verse 4, he said, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. And so the struggle keeps me authentic. I'll tell you what, if you ever meet somebody that says they got it all together and they got no struggles, then get away from them. <laughs> Uh, they probably got more than you ever could take. Listen, struggles are going to come. And the good part is, listen, God's going to help us through them, and he's going to, when we yield to him, we'll be victorious over But here's what it does. It keeps me authentic. I'm thankful for authentic people. Uh, I certainly am. I know enough fake ones, that's for sure. And then the struggle also, lastly, I wrote this down, the struggle keeps me small so that he 
can be big. The struggle keeps me small so that he can be big. What's one of our biggest problems in life? What's one of the root, the root really of probably every sin? It's pride, right? It's certainly one of the root sins anyway. And pride, pride. Every time we start getting all lifted up like we're something, I want to tell you what, we become big and it minimizes him. But I'm telling you what, when we go through struggles, you know what it does? It chops us down to size, makes us small. And guess what that does? That magnifies the God that's going to bring us through the trouble. And uh, he'll do that every time. Jesus said this in John 15, verse 5. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. See, we get that backwards, don't we? God, I'm the vine here, and, uh, and I need a little help <laughs> you know, with, with the branch. No, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do everything. Is that what Jesus said? No, you can do what? Nothing. So listen, the struggles sometimes bring us back. They root us down into the place where we realize that it isn't about us. It's about him. He's the vine. Without him, I can do nothing. Sometimes we have to be reminded of that, don't you? That's a hard lesson. Isn't it? I hate getting reminded of that one, but <laughs> he seems to have to remind me of that one a lot. And I'm thankful that John said this, what? I must decrease and he must increase and it's always making it about the lord jesus christ so so it, why did he allow the struggles is there some benefits i think there are uh, listen highlights god's grace teaches me to how to walk in the spirit and that i need to walk in the spirit it keeps me growing in my relationship with the lord it, it teaches me the the value of him working in my life it keeps me hoping to, for, to get out of here for the blessed hope to get out of here and get on to heaven it keeps me me authentic in my relationships i realize i'm no better than anybody else amen the only thing better about me than anyone else that maybe isn't saved is i have christ in me it isn't me that's good it's just him that's in me and 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 we need to see them get saved and then the struggle keeps me small because that allows me to magnify him and lift him up and so so why did he allow all these struggles why did he allow us to be caught in the middle so we could learn that when we yield to him and we say yes to the spirit and no to the flesh that we don't have to stay in the middle. We can always end up on God's side. Father, we thank you for our, our time together tonight, Lord. Thank you for just uh, even the struggles that come in our life, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to, to, to make the choice on a moment-by-moment, -moment, day day-by-day basis, Lord, to say yes to the spirit and no to the flesh. Lord, we're caught so many times just where the Apostle Paul is. And we know we will be until this flesh is eradicated, until it's gone, until, until we get that brand new glorified body and the, this old flesh, this robe of corruptions put off and incorruptions put on. Lord, we know we're going to struggle. The struggle is going to be real. It is real. And just like the Apostle Paul, so many times we're going to be caught right there in the middle. But, Lord, we don't have to be. The way out is, is not by self-effort, by not by trying harder. It's by simply resting in you, yielding to you, coming unto you, Lord, and, and, and allowing you then to live through us. So help us, Lord, to, to realize, get the end of ourselves and to make it all about you so that we, can, that we too can live, Lord, not caught in the middle, but on the good side, the winning side, here in this life, just like you've already provided for us through salvation in the next and lord as we get to go to glory with you thank you for jesus thank you for his death and his burial his resurrection it makes eternal life possible for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord we bless you and we praise you tonight lord in jesus name amen amen all right as we have just a moment or two of prayer who's got some prayer requests i know we